Amen. Amen. We have been talking about what is a family or what makes a family and what makes a church. And in a sense, we're asking the question all month long is, what makes a church feel and act like a family and what makes a family act like the church? And we believe that Sanctuary is Sanctuary Family Worship Center. And we are diving into what it means to be the family of God uh, as we kick off uh, this month together. And so we dis- discussed this uh, month that families, number one, choose love, that we've been adopted into love, so we therefore adopt others into love, that we have a choice to choose love. It doesn't always come easy, but just like someone is adopted into a family, even if they're not our biology, we choose to love them, and that love is the same as any other kind of love. It's a choice to sacrifice for one another. And then we say that uh, families not only choose love, but they are coming together to be the church. And today we're really diving into order and authority and what that looks like in a family. And I'll just tell you this, uh, I've asked God to help me with this because authority, that word authority, often has a negative word, a negative connotation. And I can remember uh, the first time I really got in trouble at school. Now, I grew up uh, as a shy, quiet kid with this innate fear of authority, but I remember first grade in Eudora Christian School, just north of the border of Louisiana, uh, Mr. Huey. He was my principal. And, in, and when you're this tall, everybody's huge, right? But I remember him being this huge, big old man. And all I can say is I didn't deserve it. I'm going to say right there. I didn't deserve it. There was all kinds of reasons why I shouldn't have gotten in trouble. But for whatever reason, they're waiting after lunch in the lunch line. We sit in our chairs waiting to go back to our classroom talking to my friend, and as soon as I look around behind me, I see these big fingers in his hand, you know, pointing, come with me, come with me. And in that day, in that time period, I'm not very old, but in that day, you just didn't argue. I remember not saying a word, and I just willingly followed Mr. Huey into the principal's office. There was already a line of kids lined up on his desk with their hands on the desk, assuming the position with their rears backwards, and he had this pressed flat baseball bat. I'm not joking. (laughs) And and he would just give one swack, whop, on the rear, and uh, you'd feel your whole insides, you know, jerk. You know, it didn't hurt, but not one kid back talked and not one kid had all these today we would have all the excuses in the world why i shouldn't be in trouble why i didn't deserve it and how, who's to blame we just all three there were three of us went silently into the office took our punishment and went right back and and so there was always been this innate fear i was never one to argue and you know the fear that i'm talking about of authority is that when you're driving down the highway and you see those lights come on behind you your heart skips a beat right how many of you know what i'm talking about you just <gasps> You, you just, it's not even for me. You know, it's for somebody else, but you still, like, you, you lose some rhythm there, and you need a defibrillator to get you back. Like, it's just like, oh, I thought that was my, I did something, right? So there's this innate fear. There, there's this thing of authority, and it's this negative word often in our society. And I think it's because no one likes being told what to do, whether you're five uh, or you're 55, right? But Scripture gives a strong case uh, for authority, and it's often misunderstood, and it's often not in the way uh, that the world gives it, especially in the family. As I thought about what makes my family be a family, I knew that we choose to love one another, and I knew that we were committed to one another, and that well, we have shared memories together. 
that we, we make time for memories. We've talked about that. Uh, but I also know that there is a sense of order. I don't have a list of rules on my kitchen that says what you can and cannot do in my house to my kids, but there is a sense of order and authority between me and my children. There's even a, a sense of what we do and don't do even between me and my wife. And when I made my marriage vows, it didn't say, you will promise to never do this, always take out the trash, always pick up your underwear out of the bathroom. There was never this full list of do's and don'ts, but there was this sense of order. There was this sense of respect and authority uh, of what each one does. And Beth has her things that she does, and I do the outside stuff. My mom and dad had that relationship where she, inside was her territory, outside was his territory. He did the flowers and the landscaping and all that stuff, and she didn't like it, and so she did the inside. They, they had an agreement, and it was this order uh, of authority. And the Bible has this case for authority uh, for you and I today. Let me just start out with this is that God's authority is defined in Scripture as the chief authority. And the word authority, the root word there is author. Everybody say author. 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 So uh, authority, the Latin is author. And he is the originator of all things. The Bible says that he spoke the world into existence. He said that he gave the sun authority for the day, the moon and stars authority for the night, that he set the times and the seasons and their authority. He gave the sea its balance of how far the sea can go to the land. And they set all things in authority and he even gave man authority to a degree. He wanted them to be stewards of the earth and, and oversee things and name the animals. But guess what happens? We stepped out of our bounds of authority. And the Greek word in the New Testament for authority talks about freedom. And it's the freedom to choose. Oh man, everybody today wants the freedom to choose who I'm going to be, where I'm going to go, what I'm going to look like, what I'm going to say and do. And that root right there is misunderstood. Authority means I give you a set freedom this far and no more. That it's a freedom within that boundary. And man went outside of its boundary, and we know that we fell in the garden. But here's the catch. When you deny the author, you deny the authority. And man today has denied that even God is existence. And there is a reason our world is without order, without chaos, and without authority. is that we have denied the author. And so from that position on, here's our case for today, is that the world has denied the author of its existence, and therefore authority has broken down all across the world. So we go even further to man's government. The Bible says that God established the order of man and set kings in their place, but then we got wicked kings and wicked rulers, and, and then they, beyond, they thought themselves as gods, and they set themselves up in the highest authority. And that's why you have, let me just be honest and raw, that's why you have officers beating and killing minorities. It's because they believe themselves to be God. And that's also why you have uh, other people rebelling and lawlessness in the streets is because they reject authority. And so there's this on both sides, there's a breakdown of man's authority. And the Bible says in Joshua that when people thought that everything was okay in their own eyes, they did whatever they thought, that wickedness began to rule the world and their country. And that's the same as for the world today. The breakdown of authority, if you can't respect God's authority, man's authority is crumbling and fallen. And then you go on, let's go even further, to the family. Family authority is broken. Uh, husbands don't know how to lead without being bossy. 
Wives don't know how to serve with being humble and don't understand that boundary. And serving seems like submission. It seems negative. It doesn't seem like it's, it's powerless. And so we fight for rights, even though in the Bible you have all rights in the marriage, uh, Christian marriage. And so we find uh, teenagers, because mom and dad, dad doesn't know how to be a man. He doesn't know how to lead his family in love. Wives don't know how to serve uh, in a submissive way with feeling like I'm being beaten down. And we don't understand that role. And husbands don't understand it. Wives don't understand it. Then you have kids, kids and teenage rebellion today at a, at a massive rate. And then let's go further. Because authority is broken down in the home, you see divorce is rampant. Teenage rebellion is rampant. You see a teenage pregnancy uh, in the homes today more than ever. And then we find out even today, especially now, gender identity. We don't even know who we are anymore because we've stepped out of order and authority, starting with God to man's law, and now even mom and dad's rules. Everything is out of bounds because we've rejected the author. All right? Let's go even further to the church. Pastors don't know how to lead today. Churches don't know how to follow today. We, don't think, we think it's a bad thing that we have order in the church. We have, uh, the, uh, the Bible talks that in the last days there will be false prophets and false teaching swaying the masses by doctrines of demons that people won't even know truth from false truth anymore because they've rejected what true authority is. And so then you, you get uh, churches today that the, the Bible says that they will be devoid of spirit, that they will reject uh, true authority. Second uh, 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 Peter chapter 2 uh, talks about it. It says in Jude 19, says many churches you know, will be divided, that they've rejected godly authority. They'll be devoid of the spirit. And Second Peter 2.20 says it's, it's this reason that in the last days people will come to church with the promise of freedom. But because the church is completely built on false authority, it's based on rules and religion and power pastors that promise freedom. But yet when they get in there, they find it's just, just more rules, that it really doesn't create freedom inside of you. And Peter says, for this reason, they leave church, they go back to their sin, and they're worse off than they were before. Because we don't understand godly authority. The whole world is broken because we rejected the author. And so this is the case in Scripture. And for this reason, the Bible says in Jude 15 that judgment is coming for men and women who will follow their own lusts, rejecting the authority of God. And so the whole world, we see a breakdown, but thanks be to God, He's a God that loves to bless people. And as the world was breaking down, God desired to bless us. And what He would do is He would send Jesus Christ, His Son, to restore order, to bring the kingdom of God down to a broken man. And as he began to teach, he would teach with authority. He would set things in boundary. He would cast out sickness, disease, and demons. He would cause lame to walk, blind to see. He would proclaim freedom to the captive. And the Bible is very clear today. If you do not submit yourself to the authority of Jesus Christ, you have only to expect judgment. There is only one name that is above every name, and at that name, every knee has to bow, either by now in choice or then you will forcefully. Because there is only one chief authority in the world, and that's on Jesus Christ. Amen, right? The only way you're going to stand blameless before God is to come under the authority of Jesus Christ. And so the question for us today is simply this. Do I know how 
to be a person under authority. This is so uh, a huge issue that we're going to try to pack into today. But, but from the very beginning of the Christian life, it's, it's surrendering my life to Christ, understanding what His authority looks like, and submitting continually every day my life to the authority of God. That I say, Lord, I want you to save me, but I also have to surrender to him to save me, right? I don't surrender and get to live how I wanted to. I surrender, and so my life is completely under authority. And how do I be that person under authority? And do I know what godly authority looks like in my family as a man, a woman of God, and also in our church family? Because I want you to remember this, if anything, today. It's this, that families are built on order and authority. Families are built on order and authority, whether it's your family at home, mom, dad, child, teenager, your family has got to be built on order and authority, and whether it's a church family that you're a part of, it's built on order and authority because it all comes under the authority of God, all right? So let me talk a little bit about spiritual authority, why it's different than natural authority. We're kind of doing a teaching today. Sometimes pastors preach, sometimes they teach, but I really want to just share my heart with you of what God just spoke to me for our church, is that we've got to understand the difference between spiritual and natural authority, because we, we get this, this word is so negative, but let's look at Jesus Christ, because to understand who and, and what he is, you've got to go and say, I, I need to see this through the lens of Jesus and look at the word of God, who is Christ, to understand what he's saying. So Jesus comes to the earth, and his authority from the very beginning is noticed. People thought at 12 years old, who is this kid? And, and from the very beginning, he begins to preach the kingdom of God, and they say, what is this new teaching that is coming here? This, this guy's speaking with authority. And Jesus' authority, when he says that my Father has anointed me to spread the good news, that he, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me, to proclaim liberty to the captives. It is a positional authority. In the world today, authority often comes because I have a bigger stick or I have bigger tanks or I, I have uh, people have told me or I'm bigger, or I'm badder, or whatever. But positional authority is in the case of Christ. Spiritual authority is positional. Jesus only received what his father gave him. Now follow with me. Here's the Son of God. He's God in heaven, right? God the Word. And He comes. The Bible says in Philippians that He limited Himself. He humbled Himself to become obedient. Jesus surrendered. He left all of His authority up in heaven to come down as a man, to be Messiah, the Son of God, as a man, and only receive the authority and power that his father gave him. He humbled himself to become a servant of men. And so God gives him authority. He gives him authority to cast out demons, to raise the lame, to uh, heal blinded eyes. He gives him authority over wind and waves. He even gives him authority to uh, heal the sick. And then he says, you can also have authority to forgive sins. He will even give him authority to raise his own life up again, uh, the Bible says, and then he'll have authority to judge the nations as the Christ. And all along the while, Jesus is always saying, I only am doing what I see my Father doing. And all the while, he continues to give glory to his Father that has given him all these things and entrusted him with this work and this mission. And so spiritual authority for Christ is completely demonstrated in this selfless suffering servant through his death everybody around him 
is looking, why don't this guy just take on Rome? Why don't this guy just raise up an army? Why don't he just come in on a white horse? And it says, that's not the way that we do spiritual authority. Through his death, Colossians tells us that he would disarm the principalities and powers. His name would be above every dominion and every other name. And through death, Christ would rule and reign. Now, follow with me. What is that saying? Look with me in Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Keep your hand in Ephesians, but look with me in Mark chapter 10, verse 42. This is the text as we expound in Ephesians today is this. Spiritual authority is positional, and it comes because one is submitted to God. Mark chapter 10, verse 42, calling them to himself, because they don't understand what's going on. Why is this? He's got all this power, apparently, to do all this stuff. Why don't he just zap these people? Why don't he just make the world new right now? I mean, he can, he can uh, raise uh, people from the dead, and he can make multiplication from just a few loaves and fishes. He can calm the storms and seas. If you got that kind of power, Jesus, why don't you do something with it? And every time he's denying the flesh, denying his family, calling him to be famous, denying all these people who are saying, just exalt yourself, exalt yourself, exalt yourself. Use the power you got. Use the power you got. And then what does he say? You know that those who are recognized as rulers of Gentiles, they lord it over them. Maybe your boss is lording it over you right now. And their great men exercise authority over them. He says, but it is not this way among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your what? Your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, get this today, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He who held all authority illustrated to you and me the way to have spiritual authority is that God has put you in a position and that you continue to humble yourself and let God exalt you. And so here's Jesus who rules over all becomes servant, servant of all. It's amazing. It doesn't make any sense. In the world today, if you want your way, you just push for it, Right? You just hold a vote and nobody does nothing, right? You, you just make your case and you stand your ground. And if you don't like it, then so be it. But Jesus says, but if you want positional authority with God, if you want spiritual power with God, if you want to know how God works, it's not like this fallen government. It's not like these other fallen families. It's not even like these fallen, messed up religious churches. It is that the person who is going to be in the kingdom of God and who wants the power of God living in their life, it is that you must be servant of all. Last, last in your marriage, last with your family, last in your church, last at your job, last in all things, and let God do His work. And so, let's go on. Jesus, who rules over all, becomes servant. He says, you got to be, if you want to be first, you got to be last. And whether you're going to lead your family or lead your church, do it from last place. Because families are built on order and authority. I'm going to talk to you a little, just really quick about the church. I'm going to talk to you about your family. Let's talk about order in the church. Again, nobody likes to talk about this. And, and just to be honest, uh, pastors and leaders, uh, the trust of church leaders is a national all-time low. A study was saying the other day. 
And the reason is, that if you don't like what your pastor says, you don't like what a church leader or a small group leader is doing, you can just go to another church, and you think you can bash them on Facebook, and then just move on, right? And that's what we do today. We just can church hop anywhere we want to go, take a little bit of this, take a little of that, listen to some podcasts, and feel like I'm doing okay. But the truth of the matter is, there's very few people who are submitting to one another as a body of believers, saying, this is my family. This is the people that I love, and I know that they speak well into my life. And the whole nature, uh, and again, I'm coming against a lot of flesh today because I can feel it in the room. You know, it's like, what is he saying? Is he telling, you know, like I I can feel it. That's our nature. Our nature is rebellion. Our nature is individualism as America. Don't tell me I can vote like I want to vote, do what I want to do, my Bible, my gun, my flag, just get out of my yard because you don't have a warrant. That's what we, that's how we feel. We're very, like, you know, we're in the South. Come on, this is my rights as a person. Who am I? You don't tell me what to do, right? Uh, amen. See, we, we know, right? And so, but what does it mean? And look at Ephesians 5.21, because Paul takes this verse from Christ, and he expounds it for the church. And he says, to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. He says, be subject to one another Really, in the subjection, in the reverent awe of Christ. Be respectful, be honoring, be serving one another as because you serve respect or in awe of Christ. So be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So what does that look like? What does it mean to be a person in the body of Christ who's under authority? Because let me tell you, if you go to a church, you're going to have a lot of problems if you don't understand this. In fact, many churches are divided because they don't understand this. There's power players in the church uh, wanting their vote. I mean, how many churches have been divided because of carpet color? Because there's power players. They're thinking of their own interests. They're divided because of other religions, other uh, religious uh, issues. But to be under the authority of one another. And number one, it comes from this. It's given by Christ. What does it mean to have order in the churches? Number one, it's given by Christ. Every Christian has kingdom authority. Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me. Behold, I give it to you. Go and make disciples. Spread this gospel. Build the church. He gives authority over demons, over disease. He gives authority uh, for us to proclaim boldly by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you, every person in this room, has spiritual authority over things that God has given to you, right? I mean, he gives the church authority. We're not like the government. We're not another uh, institution. We're not a club. We're not just this gathering of a bunch of random people who believe same doctrine. We are a people who have spiritual authority. It's positional. It's been given by God, and we should know how to use it. But we have to use it in submission to him. And so, for instance, even in the church... Again, I'm teaching this morning, but even in the church, he says, I've given the position of you, I've given you spiritual authority, but even in the church, it's, I've given gifts of authority. In Ephesians, he says, in verse 4, uh, chapter, chapter 4, verse 11, he says, now these are the gifts Christ gave the church. He says, first is apostles, then prophets, then evangelists, then pastors and teachers, he says, I've given these gifts of authority, but again, they're not like the worldly idea of hierarchy. It's not like your pastor is your boss. And in fact, it's really not about the person themselves. He says, I've given these are gifts. These are gifts to the church for the bettering of the church. And, it, and it's not, I could go to my wife and say, honey, you ought to, I'm a gift. You know, I get in trouble, right, from day one, right? I'm a gift. No, 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 it's not how that works. 
The gift is the anointing. It's not me. It's not the person. It's not the evangelist. It's not that person. But God has anointed these things. He's given these nuggets, these, these anointings, these abilities to individuals to use for the furthering of his church. But it's the gift. It's the anointing that's the gift for the church. And he's saying it's not, again, we get our minds out of the worldly standard. It's, it's positional. And you shouldn't, let me just be honest, you should not follow any person that you don't sense the Spirit of God on them. I don't care if it's me or anybody else. If you can't sense that they have a position that God has given, it's not earned, it's not a, a challenge, it's not fought for, it's not educated for. You can get educated, you can politicize, you can do all that. But unless the anointing is evident on a person, don't follow them. Are we with me? I don't care if you're listening on the radio, TV, going to churches in this church. If someone is not anointed by the Spirit, they don't have the gift. You should sense the anointing, okay? That's number one. It's positional. It's a gift given by God, and it's as a gift for the church, all right? So many people are confused what that role and authority looks like. So should I follow this crazy pastor? That's a good question. Don't follow me blindly. You need to go back to the Word, right? Don't follow people online or on Facebook or, or people down the road or even small group leaders or deacons or elders. Don't follow people blindly. Number one, it's the gift given by Christ. But number two, it's a gift given in the nature of Christ. Let me, let me explain. So in the church in order, it's the nature of Christ. Number two, authority is, is seen in the attitude. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Paul considered himself a servant for the building up of a church, not tearing it down. And there's a lot of pastors who'll come into a church trying to tear things down. They'll start over, they'll push everybody out, and they'll move things on. But that's not the heart of a true pastor. A true pastor is for the building up of a church, right? Somebody say amen. All right? So every church leader, small group leader, should have the nature of Christ. That means Timothy says, or Paul says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, they should be tested, they should be blameless, they should be above reproach. They should be upright, devout. That's his deacons, elders, pastors, teachers. They should be free from addictions. They should be faithful in their marriages. They should manage their homes well. Mm, right there. Manage their homes well. He goes on, he says, they should be examples of speech, of conduct, of love, of faith, and purity. That's no recommendation. That's not job description that nobody wants, right? It's like, who wants that job? Because you're everyone's looking at you. And let me say this to our small group leaders, our deacons, our elders, our board members. We have a high calling and a high expectation before the people of God. Thank you. Amen. Right? And he says, why? Because we are to call the flock forward in the image of Christ. And for instance, he says, Peter says, he says, guys, you're to be like that good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And what was he like? Remember Matthew or Mark chapter 10. What did he do? He sacrificed himself for his people. And in fact, Jesus becomes this good shepherd. And what's a shepherd like? I'm not just talking about pastors. I'm talking about evangelists, pastors, teachers, elders, deacons, small group leaders. Who should, how do you know you should follow these people? They should look like a good shepherd in Christ. Let me give you what a good shepherd is. Number one, shepherd were watchmen. They would look on the horizon and watch for coming enemies. They would look on the horizon and look for green pastures. Then they'd be also not just a watchman, they would be a protector from wolves. Wolves would come in to try to divide the flock and eat the sheep, right? They would protect it. They would guide the sheep to green pastures and better water. They would heal this, uh, the sheep. Remember how Jesus talked about he's the healer of our diseases. Shepherds would heal when their sheep got lame. They would mend them with, with the medicine they had and wrap them up and carry them to the next place. Shepherds were healers. 
Shepherds were rescuers when they were lost, and shepherds would be the ones that provided their needs. And in, in the end of it all, shepherds were people who loved their sheep, even to fight off the bears and the wolves, that they would even die for their sheep. Uh, and there was this great communion between shepherds and sheep. And it, it, you should not follow anyone today. And, I, and I, again, I, I hesitate to even preach this because I am a pastor. I wish I had a guest speaker to come tell you this. But you should not follow a pastor who does not love you. You should not follow a pastor who does not have your best interest in mind. And you shouldn't follow or listen to anyone, even a small group leader, a deacon or an elder, who is not uh, walking in this nature of being like Christ. So number one, they are uh, a position that way, gifted by God. But number two, they have this nature that is like Christ. And how do you know? Because a natural-minded man will manipulate you into obedience. Let me tell you, there's a lot of religious and a lot of religious churches and a lot of religious pastors, even in our parish. They will manipulate you into obedience with their rules. But a good shepherd, a good shepherd, a godly leader wants to see you obey Christ rather than themselves. I'm going to say that again. A godly leader wants to see you obey Christ rather than themselves. You should know. You should recognize who is speaking from the flesh to control you and who is speaking from the heart of Christ to lead you into freedom in Jesus Christ. So that's how you know. Order in the church. The last thing is that they would have you be like Christ. Ephesians 4.12 says these gifts are to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church. Church leaders are here to equip you, to build you up, to bring you into unity, into full maturity. This includes your small group leaders. They're to empower, to teach you and preach the word to you. They're there to call you forward, to exhort you to be like Christ. They're there even to call out sin in our lives. Nobody likes that because we don't understand that authority thing. And in our church, here's what we believe, grace, love, truth, that we should all be accountable to one another. And I need people... And I said this from the beginning of my ministry a decade ago. We all need people in our lives who can tell us when we're being stupid. Not everybody likes that word, but that's just the way I can say it to you today. It, I need someone that I don't always think right. Sometimes if our prayer life has gone down the tube, we're not reading our Bible like we ought to, and we begin to follow, follow passions in our lives, we begin to make big decisions without consulting prayer. I need someone in my life, like a small group leader or a small group member, who can come and call me and say, dude, I, don't, I think you need to pray about that. I think you need to uh, come talk to God about it. Let me pray with you. Let me encourage you. I, I just, I'm worried for you. I care for you. I love you you and so that that I want to speak truth into your life and here's the deal so few people want a relationship like that that because that's coming under authority but we all have to be accountable to one another I want someone in my life that will pull me back if I'm headed to destruction don't you if you were going to trip and fall, don't you want someone to say, hey, hey, there's a rock there, don't go that way. Hey, or the bridge is out, don't go that way. What kind of a friend would I be if I just let you run headlong into sin and didn't warn you? I wouldn't love you very much, would I? But you also have to say, I receive the counsel from that friend because I know that friend loves me. So that's grace, love, truth. I want a person who accepts me for who I am in grace I want a person who loves me with an unashamed, bold, sacrificial love. I know they'll be there. They got my back love. And then I also want a person who's going to just come out and say it to my face in truth. Because we can tiptoe around and let people fall away and die and go to hell. Or we can be honest and say, I love you. Stop it. 
I want you to be healthy and free in Christ. And that's godly authority. That's, that's from church member to church member. That's from small group leader to small group attender. That's from pastor to sheep and flock. That's that we love you and we want you to be free in Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. That's, that's what we got to be. We can't just be this come to the family and nobody can tell me what to do kind of thing because that's rejection of authority. That's rebellion. The Bible says what's rebellion? It's the sin of witchcraft. It's the nature of the devil to reject the authority of God. And, and we, I want people, not I am a man under authority. I've got people I, that speak into my life on a regular basis. Pastors above me that speak into my life. Every week I get, past, I get lunch with a pastor down the road. You know who it is. And he speaks into my life because I need someone spurring me on to be better for the cause of Christ. You need someone in your life who can tell you the truth. Somebody say amen to that. So that calls for order in the church. It calls for accountability. It calls for authority. Uh, and we should all willingly be under Christ-like authority. It's only been a few times in the last 10 years that I've actually had to speak into someone's life, uh, and they reject it, and they leave the church for it. Whether it be a person who didn't know how to use the gifts in order, or a person who was divisive in a small group, or a person who was just uh, conflicted in sin, and they just refused to leave it. And that's happened. And I hate it. It just eats me up. I think about it all the time when it does. But that's the nature of the church, is that we would come under uh, authority to one another. It's not just the pastors, but again, Ephesians 5.21, each of us will going to give an account of how we submit to one another in the fear of Christ. And Hebrews 13 tells us that those in godly authority are there to keep watch over your souls and know they will give an account before God of how they lead you. Teachers, elders, pastors, evangelists, we're all going to have a higher account. We're going to be judged according to how we lead you in grace, love, and truth. And so do we serve one another? Do we demonstrate that authority? Do we honor God and how we honor one another? And that's order and authority in the church. Let me just give you briefly in the home, because if we can't have it in the, the, the home or the church, it's not going to work in the other. So we submit to God, we submit to governing authorities, we submit to church uh, and to one another's lives, and then we also submit to one another in the family. And what does that look like? That same verse applies specifically to families. Submit to one another in the fear of Christ. And it means to you, husbands, like this. Paul says in Ephesians, he says, Husbands, you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. You are to leave husbands. You are there to lead your family as a good shepherd. But here's the deal. You lead by loving. You don't lead because you demand it. You don't lead because you expect it. You don't lead because you deserve it. That position is a gift. It's not yours to have. It's a gift, an anointing to lead your wife and your children. That's how you lead. But you lead from last place. I lead. So not only is the husband the head of the wife, Scripture says, but he's also the one who's going to wash her feet like Jesus did. He's going to serve her and think the best for her and want the best for her and push her to be the woman of God she's called to be. He's going to pray for her and expect great things for her and work to serve her, work to please her. And in so doing, she'll win, uh, he'll win her over by his love. And in so doing, that's how Christ says it for us. Christ doesn't make me be saved. Christ doesn't make me worship him. But because of his love, I want to. Because of his love, I get to. And because of his love, I willingly lay my life down because he first laid his life down for me. That's your job, husbands. The world's not going to tell you that. TV's not going to tell you that. Don't watch it. All that stuff about what a man's supposed to look like. It's, it's in Scripture. You lead by loving. You lead from last place. 
Fathers, the same is true for you. You're to be example of prayer and godly discipline to your children. Yes, I said discipline to your children. But the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 4, you're not to be so harsh on them that will cause them to anger and rebellion. You're still to lead in discipline, but lead through loving. And it's sense that you lead your child, but you're also speaking great things over them. You're also pushing them to be the man or woman of God they're called to be and not promoting them to anger or pushing them to rebellion, but saying, I'm demonstrating godly authority in your life. I'm leading by loving. I'm setting the rules. I'm setting the boundary. Yes, there is consequences for our decision, but uh, you know I love you. There's no question whether our Father in heaven loves us because He's demonstrated it over and over again. And we have an image crisis today because we don't know if dads love their children. It's quiet in here. Men lead in love. God has gifted you with authority to order your family. Lead by loving. Women... It means, Ephesians says, that you would serve in satisfaction. That's like serving like Jesus said. That means being gentle and modest and kind and sensible, Titus says. It means being pure, not prone to gossip, but diligently serving and working for your home. As wives, Scripture says in Ephesians 5, it means respecting and serving your husband as you serve the Lord. It means just as the church serves Christ, so the wife is going to serve her husband and her home. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> it means to honor and speak well of him, even behind his back. You don't go complain to your mother-in-law about how bad your husband is. Ouch. You don't go complain to your sister about the problems in your marriage. You speak well of your husband. You speak well of your family. You honor and lift him up and pray for him to be the man of God he should be and ought to be. Husbands, it's your job to be the man of God. It's her job to help you be that man of God. And here's the problem. What happens is the husband doesn't know how to be the husband, so the wife doesn't know how to be the wife. So, husbands, it comes again back to you. Be the husband, be the leader, the spiritual head of your home so the wife will know how to be the wife, the woman of God she's called to be. And likewise, children, it says, children, obey your parents in the, in the Lord, in the fear of the Lord. Again, children, honor. Because why? It says that there's a blessing with that. It will go well with you. You'll live longer. Not because your parents won't kill you. Maybe that's one of it. But it actually says you'll be blessed by God because you'll in obedience. But when the family begins to break down, nobody knows what their role is. We're not talking about who should do the dishes and who does the laundry and who does this and what, how are we going to discipline our children. We, we fight over all these things. We don't know how to lead in love. We don't know how to serve in satisfaction. We think serving is demoting and demoralizing. And I'm a woman and I should have rights. Yes, that's true. Husbands, the Bible also says that your wife is co-equal, equal with you before God. There's not even man and woman, but you are both there to serve the Lord together. They're both helpmates. There is no higher or lower. Men like to take these verses and make, well, I'm the man, you're the woman. I'm the head, you're the lower. You totally didn't read it. The first verse is, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Men, it's like this revolving door. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. That's, that's how you lead in love. And so as a man begins to lead but also die to self, as a woman says, yes, I'm going to exalt my husband and I'm going to lower myself, every person is fighting for last place. And every person is subject to one another in authority. And if both parties do this and the child does this, the family works. But if one part of that 
because you know what? I reject authority. I reject it. The whole family begins to break down. Little by little. Because why? You've rejected the one who said this is how families should work. The author of families is God. And if you reject the author who says this is how, I don't care how society says families should look. Scripture says families should look this way. And when you reject the author, expect your family to break down. Husbands, if you don't get saved and lead your wife, don't expect your wife to obey you and follow you. Wives, if you don't follow God and respect and honor your husband, don't expect your children to follow you. It's all following one another. As the whole family follows God, the family is blessed. And so there's this great catch. In 1 Peter 3, 8, and I close with this. He challenges them. He says, in some of all of this, in some of everything I've said this morning, in some of all this idea of authority, he says, be humble in spirit and know you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. God's order and God's authority is there to bless you as you walk in this world with the government It's there to bless you in your church as you submit to one another. And it's there to bless you in your family as you submit to one another. And we stop fighting. We say, you know what? It doesn't really matter. I submit to you. You submit to me. We both win. We both lose. Let's worship God. And God blesses the relationship. And the Bible says that God is opposed to proud people but gives grace to the humble. And at the end of days, God says, those who submit to me, They will rule and reign with me forever. You see, there is either a breakdown in the family of God or in the family of your house, your church church family or your Christian family. You'll either have a breakdown or you're going to have a blessing. And it's when people say, yes, I choose to willingly lower myself for the sake of my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I willingly choose to lower myself for my spouse and my children. And so doing, I know God is going to put me in a position, not only of authority, but of blessing. Amen? Amen. Families are built on order and authority. It's not about the rules and having a list. It's an attitude of our heart to say, you know what, honey, I love you. I lift you up. And say, yes, let's cheer one another on to be the people of God. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Worship team, would you come? Perhaps today in this room, you could say, you know, you've been getting in trouble. Maybe it's a teenager or a young person, and you get in trouble at school. You're getting in trouble with the law. You're getting in trouble in different areas of your life at home because you've been rejecting authority. And that fleshly nature has been against you submitting, whether to mom or dad, or maybe submitting to teachers, or maybe submitting to people in authority over you. And you need to recognize that today, that God will not bless that attitude. And God wants you to learn how to submit, but first you have to submit your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe today you've been living out of control. Your life is completely out of control. You've been addicted to drugs, to alcohol, to pornography. You've been been arguing in your family. Maybe you've been addicted to gossip. It's been running in your family. And there's been things all over your life that just be out of control. And you say, I need to submit my life to authority. I need to submit my life to the will and the care of God and receive the blessing that He's promised me. The Bible says in Romans that we should only expect condemnation if we reject authority. We are rebellious in nature, 
And every single one of us has to continually follow Jesus Christ to be last. The man with all authority in all the world lowered himself to be servant of all. He's calling you and me to do the same in our marriages, in our children, in our workplaces, submitting to our bosses, in every avenue of our life. He says, I'll give you the position of authority. I'll give you the blessing of authority if you would just surrender. Maybe your life is out of sorts today. You say, God, I need to come back to Jesus Christ and surrender my life. Maybe your marriage today is all out of whack. Maybe it's a spouse that doesn't believe in Jesus. Maybe their life is, is not where it ought to be. Maybe they're not saved. And we want to pray today for them that they would submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, that there could be order and blessing in your marriage. Maybe it's a child who's wayward and they don't submit to authority and God would teach you how to lead them in godly authority that they might too also come back to authority of Jesus Christ. See, there's all kinds of ways we deal with this, whether it be drugs, alcohol, rebellious hearts, our natures, our marriages. It's all the same deal as saying, God, I surrender to you, to the author of my life. 